Stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Static, and um, we had some really big news uh, week, Mark. And in fact, it made the news. I've seen it. Huge, you might say. Huge. Some of our some of our listeners may have seen it, but there is a case that's been brought by the attorney generals of uh, Missouri and Louisiana. It's called Missouri v. Biden, and it's in St. Louis. And excuse me, it's no, in no, Louisiana, Western, Western, Western District, Western Louisiana. District of Louisiana. Yep. And um, and. Uh, it is, uh, it is about all of the efforts that the federal government has made to get messages that the federal government doesn't like off the social media platforms. So Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all of them. And uh, so they brought this case and then we joined their case with our clients. We have four clients, uh, the, most, uh, the ones you may have heard of are, are Jay Bhattacharya, Martin Koldorf, and Aaron Cariotti, who all were part of the Great Barrington Declaration, which was how we should, scientific statement on how the pandemic should be addressed. And they're all scientists, all well-respected. You know, there was not a word against them until the government decided they didn't like their advice. And then suddenly um, they're being tossed off Twitter and, and, and things like this for saying things that now the CDC says, and all these retrospectives on the pandemic are like where we went wrong and why we've lost, you know, America's lost something like two and a half years uh, life expectancy. And the, all the education of the young people is back. It, it has been set back an enormous amount for everyone who couldn't go to school in person. All yeah, these things if, only, if only we'd listened to NCLA, they're saying. Or, yeah, or exactly. Or exactly. I, I was going to say the Great Barrington people, but okay. Oh, all right, all right. I think, I think you're right because <laughs> you were saying the same thing. But uh, well, the government—we we have all been shocked. I think it's fair to say that not only the attorneys who brought this, but the clients themselves are stunned by the breadth, the um, frequency, and the um, intensity of the government's efforts. They—they they call it an all—you know an all society effort. I think it's called, it might've been all government, but you see it in the emails that have come out. It is incredible. They, yeah. the, the emails have come out and I, and I, and I Full court say press. also uh, Berenson's case, he, he emails have come out in his, and sometimes I talk about those as well, because he has, he has, he got the ones where they said, get Berenson off the internet. Right. So they, we saw those and we're looking for those in this case, but for our clients, but I will say this, Talk about People, an enemies list. Good grief. They have emails where they order Twitter and, and Facebook and stuff to take down parody accounts of Dr. Fauci. And they, they say, I mean, parody accounts. Yeah. It, 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 can you take a joke? The answer is no. The federal government cannot take a joke. Um, and so they and they do. And then they go do it. And, and and they do it with amazing alacrity. That's the other thing, John. This isn't. Yeah, we'll get to it in a month or two. This is. Oh, you want it down? It's down today. Boom. I mean, that's so that, that's what one of the things yes, that's stunning to me. Incredible. And then so then they set up that they report to the federal government all of their efforts 
everything they're doing to silence you across all their platforms. And then at first it was a week, then it's like bi-weekly and stuff. It just gets more and more and more. And yeah, progress reports. Or maybe they should be called reports. Pro and they progressive call reports, that. maybe. <laughs> it's unbelievable. But uh, so we so the um, the social networks were sued and the, a preliminary injunction is under consideration to stop the government from doing these things. And as part of the preliminary injunction, the judge uh, has issued uh, discovery and the discovery has to move very quickly. And the Missouri, um, the uh, Missouri AG's office is handling it very professionally, I might say, because there's a lot of cats to herd and they're doing it extremely well. Uh, and, and obviously the big, um, big media is represented by very high powered lawyers, but, uh, they've turned over the, a lot of information that we wanted. There's, you know, in these type of things, Mark, I think everyone knows there's a lot of, uh, back and forth that goes on in negotiations. So you don't have to bring every little thing to the judge and that's what's been going on, but the government dug in its heels. We're not going to give you any anything that Dr. Fauci or Saki or Jean Pierre, the spokeswomen for, for Biden, um, said to the social media people. And we know that that Fauci gave Mark Zuckerberg of, of uh, what is it now, Meta? I'm always going to call it Facebook, but it's Meta. Yeah. Uh, he gave him his personal phone number so they could chat. Uh, what was Fauci telling him to do? The, the head of this most powerful uh, social network. In fact, I think that's the name of the movie, right? So uh, they said, no, we're not giving you that. And they raised these objections that we're trying to get, you know, some kind of internal document. Mark, none of the questions were for anything that Fauci told the president or did with the president or any, it's no internal documents. You always have this thing of the president has, and, and agencies have to be able to talk to each other without right. having their, you know, Executive privilege, right? All we asked for was the stuff they gave to third parties, the stuff that's already out of the building by the government's choice. That stuff's not privilege. And they say, no. Well, uh, Judge Dowdy down there, he, he was not taking that. And he no, he has, was he was pretty dowdy, I would say. Yeah. With a he T. Has, he has ordered that um that Fauci and Jean Pierre, but I believe it covers Pisaki because they're sued in their official capacities. So Jean Pierre, it's not like she's personally going doing this, uh, although she's doing it as a human. She's not doing it just for her own, uh, <clears throat> just because she likes doing it. She's doing it as part of the government. So I think it's going to be uh, official capacity. So we'll go back to Saki. So here's the things they got to do. Identify all communications with any social media platform relating to content modulation. That's what they call censorship. They call it content modulation and or misinformation. That's a Orwellian term if I've ever heard oh, yeah. one. I, identify all social media platforms, including their officers, agents, or employees with which you have communicated or are communicating with relating to content modulation and or misinformation. Identify all meetings with any social media platform relating to content modulation or misinformation. Identify all communications with Mark Zuckerberg from January 1st, 2020 to the present, including but not limited to those references and paragraphs 142 to 145 of the complaint. So we say, tell us all about this stuff. And they did not want Dr. Fauci answering these questions, but now he's going to have to. And then finally, my favorite, identify all communications with any social media platform that relate to the Great Barrington Declaration, the authors of the Great Barrington Declaration, the or original signers of the Great Barrington Declaration, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, Dr. Martin Koldorf, Dr. Aaron Cariotti. And it goes on with the other doctors, including Alex Berenson, by the way. And 
any member of the so-called disinformation dozen. So they, they, they chose 12 people they called the disinformation dozen. And I'm not going to vouch for anybody's uh, statements about COVID. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of crazy stuff. But Mark, my position has always been you get to say crazy stuff. This is America, right? That's not so, just your position, John. I think that's the First Amendment's position. I agree. <laughs> I agree with that. But but uh, at least for our clients, our clients aren't saying anything crazy. That I think there is a, the, the thing that I don't think the courts are going to understand, no matter what the ideological bent of the justice or how much they are willing to let the government get away with. Having the government take true statements out of the public domain and out of the public debate, uh, I think that this is going to be a firestorm everywhere for every judge in the country because it's unbelievable. Um, and so these have to be ordered. He ordered, I think, in 21 days. Uh, this has to be done. So there's going to be no shilly-shallying. Uh, everything's moving on a very quick track. Uh, the the Missouri uh, Attorney General's office is uh, um, really moving on this, and the documents doing, doing a fabulous job. I think we should say. I mean, I, I, I should. I, I did not know any of the folks over there before this started, and I am. I've been extremely impressed. And 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 we've had we've had even reporters right tell us how impressed they are reading the documents. We have. We have. Yeah, we've had we've had reporters uh, congratulate us about some of the pleadings, and we've we've said, well, we didn't write that one, or you know. <laughs> Uh, we, exactly. I think you and Janine have done great work in this case too, but uh, right. uh, but we we have been struck by the by the high quality work of the of the AG's office in, in Missouri and Louisiana. Um, so I I do think that this is going to be big news. We're going to see what's happening, and also, I think the judge is moving this along quickly because you know I guess Fauci says he's going to be going. Uh, he can't just say, oh, I'm a private citizen now, this stuff. And even if he was, as we have learned, you, you as a government person, you're not allowed to take your records with you. Uh, so well, unless you that, put them in in your sock drawer, I think that's the Bill Clinton <laughs> exception to that rule, uh, if I remember right. So exact. So in any event, I think that I think that um, we'll, we'll get the records. It's going to be uh, illuminating. And and even if there's no like. Uh, bring me the head of uh, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya in there. I do think that the number of contents, the, the fact that these government officials were using this much time out of their day that they should be serving the public, shutting people up, is, yeah. is scandalous, Mark. It's, it's scandalous. It's, fri it's frightening. It's frightening, honestly. It shows you the government how, how big the Leviathan has gotten that it can afford to hire people to uh, fill their days with this kind of nonsense. And some of the emails, and some of these are also in, um, I should say, Alex Berenson's case, but of all, all these emails, the, the, the uh, social platform people are saying things like, Thank, uh, mercifully, mercifully, I had an answer for him about this censorship or whatever. And then, and then the government guys, you know, I don't understand why they're so reluctant to deal with the government. I, I don't know. Where does this where hesitance from. come from? Where does this hesitance come from? And I, that was the word, right? Where does this hesitance come from? I said, well, do you live in America? Have you ever met any <laughs> Americans? Uh, I, I was just floored. I'm floored by it. And uh, I do think, Mark, that this is going to be a big deal. Um, I, I think going forward, we're, we're going to see what happens. The, the government says, it still thinks, that it can dismiss this, that these contacts are just all on the up and up. But the thing is, if they were proud of this, why wouldn't they be 
Why wouldn't they be releasing this stuff? It's third party. They they owe people all their stuff. They just don't want to tell us. So we're gonna find out, and then we'll be back. Welcome back to Administrative Static. As as regular listeners of the program know, John and I like to mix it up a little bit in the last segment of the day and uh, and sort of talk about uh, uh, t- talk about something that that's going on that we have uh, noticed that we think is is uh, interesting and noteworthy and that we want to bring uh, to your attention. And and John, uh, something that that has happened in the last couple of weeks here that we don't see very often is a, a Fortune 500 company standing up to the government uh, instead of bending over backwards like those companies you were just talking about, Meta and the, and the social uh, media companies. The Federal Trade Commission has come after Walmart on a, on a pretty obnoxious theory, and it's obnoxious in more than one ways, and we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, uh, but they filed a lawsuit against Walmart in the Northern District of, of Illinois Federal District Court and and Walmart is fighting back, and I'm so glad to see that because uh, the the particular and I and I won't I don't have the uh, I don't have the FTC charge in front of me, but I'll I'll summarize what the accusation is. So Walmart uh, has offered these uh, services where you're able to send money to somebody else, right? Kind of a I, I think they're even done through MoneyGram and Western Union and and so forth. And sometimes fraudsters take advantage of these sorts of uh, the availability of these sorts of money wiring services in order to scam people, right? I mean, you've you've probably seen these emails. Uh, uh, the the prince in Nigeria needs you to wire him a little bit of money to do something, or or your grandma's been in a car accident and she needs you to wire her a little bit of money, or or you know those sorts of things. And as surprising as it may be. Uh, for you and me, John, that people fall for these kinds of things, they do, they do fall for them, and <laughs> and and when they do, uh, they're out some they're out some money. Uh, but the question is, whose fault is it that they're out the money? Is it is it their fault? Is it the fault of the company that allowed their email service to be used to to send the the fraudulent email to someone? Is it the fault of of the Western Union or MoneyGram, or is it the company? fraudster, Mark? Is it the or fraudster? is it the fraudster? Maybe, yeah, maybe it's the fraudster. That that might be where where the problem is. Maybe those people should be held responsible and thrown in jail. Uh, but the FTC's theory is that Walmart is making money off of providing these services, uh, knowing full well that some of the transactions that occur are in support of scams and and in support of, of fraud. Now, of course, Walmart knows uh, knows that this that this happens, and they have lots of programs in place trying to spot suspicious activity and trying to warn people and trying to do things to to prevent these sorts of scams from succeeding, at least when they're when they're being done uh, uh, involving uh, Walmart's uh, 
you know, money transfer services. But the routine processing of money transfers, they're not they're not providing substantial assistance to the fraud, that they're not part of the fraud. That would be like saying that that uh, that Ford Motor Company is part of the of the bank robbery because the getaway driver drove a Ford. Or, right? or, I mean, or how about all the people who speed in Fords? All yeah. those speeders, you know, they know they allow their cars to go over 60 miles per hour. I mean, Great how point. is that even possible? That's right. Good, good point. Yeah, there's nowhere in America where you're allowed to drive 90 miles an hour legally. Why does the car go that fast? That's just that's clearly Ford's fault that that happens. No, that's uh, we, we believe in individual agency in this country and personal responsibility. And the FTC apparently doesn't any longer because it's trying to, to blame a third party uh, for for what happened here. Uh, but, John, the uh, I guess dowdiness is a theme of our show today because uh, not only is Walmart standing up to this uh, ridiculous uh, theory, uh, but they're also uh, they've also done so in a way that uh, the new Civil Liberties Alliance uh, is is going to turn handstands for because they have mentioned Humphrey's executor, and I don't. I, we've talked about the the Humphrey's executor precedent a little bit on this show before, but one of the fun things about this case, John, is that. Uh, so, so Humphrey's executor is a case from from the 1930s in which the U.S. Supreme Court upheld the constitutionality of the Federal Trade Commission uh, against charges that it was too independent of the president and that these independent agencies were, were constitutionally questionable. And the odd thing about Humphrey's executor, it essentially said that the independent agency was OK because it was quasi judicial and quasi legislative and wasn't exerting any executive power. Well, not sure that was true at the time of the FTC in the 1930s. It sure as heck isn't true now. I mean, the FTC is absolutely exerting a judicial power now and, and or excuse me, uh, executive power now. Well, both actually, but everything, it's, everything, it's, it's all the everything. Thing. It's, 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 uh, uh, it's a Montesquieuian nightmare is what it is, right? Uh, yeah. So, uh, but uh, but certainly exerting executive power. And we know this in this Walmart case because the FTC apparently tried to get the Department of Justice interested in bringing this case. And the Department of Justice said, eh, no, thanks. We don't and, see it. You know, there's no there there. And, you know, I just want to say and then Walmart responded in part by suing, by going after Humphrey's executive. And you got to understand this case is like. 80 years old, right? Maybe 90 now, right? How old is that, Mark? Uh, it's getting close to 90. Yeah, it's getting close getting to 90. Close to so it's been around. We all think it's, but I, I I can't tell the joke that Dave Chappelle tells, but it ends with the line, that's something I would say. And and so I'm going to just say that um, that when I saw this, that Walmart had done this, I said, this isn't something a Fortune 500 company says. This is something I would say. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and the, so the fact that you have the Department of Justice turning the case down and the FTC going forward with it anyway and, and prosecuting the case on its own, that's a clear, unadulterated example of executive power. There's just no question that that's executive power. And so one of the fun things that Walmart has said uh, in, uh, in, uh, to the Northern District of Illinois is, hey, there's this case called Humphrey's Executor. It upheld the constitutionality of the FTC under the theory that the FTC doesn't exert executive power. Well, guess what? 
we're on the receiving end of a whole lot of executive power in, in this case. So uh, they're actually saying you need to enforce Humphrey's executor, that this is good law. It's on the books. It's Supreme Court precedent. And it only upheld the FTC when the FTC wasn't uh, wasn't displaying executive power. Now it is. So you have to you have to set aside this unlawful, unconstitutional display of executive power. How fun, right? I mean, how fun. We now we think that uh, Humphrey's executor is uh, is a relic that uh, not in the same way that that the government probably thinks it is. The government thinks it's a relic because the FTC ought to be able to do whatever it damn well pleases, and if that includes mixing legislative and judicial and executive power in one agency, so much the better. No, no, we we think uh, we think that Humphrey's executor. Uh, needs to be overturned because it allows the agencies to do too much. It allows the agency, it shouldn't, they shouldn't be allowed to do uh, quasi judicial or quasi legislative power either uh, because that's taking judicial power away from article three. Oh, oh, and by the way, we, we believe in the unitary executive that the president needs to be able to exert control over what's happening in the executive branch. And it's very hard to do that with these independent agencies. Uh, so we have that concern with Humphrey's executor. But but John, you don't even have to get that far in this case. In this case, all you have to do is uphold Humphrey's executor and Walmart should win. <laughs> so, you know. Well, I do. What do you think of the venue, Mark? If since we're kibitzing here. Yeah. Why did they go in the seventh? Did, I mean, that's where AMG came from, I think. I mean, is, is there is there something going on there? They want to get to the seventh or di- the district court? I mean, I found Illinois an odd you know, you don't never know what I, I just find that the seventh, the seventh circuit is is uh, highly unpredictable. Um, and you you might have a better handle on it, but I wonder why they picked it. Well, I did go to I did go to law school in the northern district of Illinois. So That's what I, I thought. <laughs> I have a little bit of familiarity uh, with uh, with the jurisdiction, although honestly, more familiarity with the seventh circuit judges. Uh, in Chicago than with the with the district court, uh, I I don't know I don't know uh, you know maybe uh, we're looking at filing an amicus brief in this in this case potentially in the next week or so so you know maybe as I get into this more uh, we'll, we'll I'll be able to answer that question next week uh, we'll figure out what what's in it for the FTC why did they think that uh, that the Northern District of Illinois was a good place to proceed. Perhaps it's where they had the information on, that, on Walmart. Maybe that, you know, that could be. And then the other, the other thing is though, about the agency action here, the agency is pushing very hard on a lot of businesses right now. They're, they're really changing their views and people are, I think staff attorneys are leaving the FTC and the SEC because, because, uh, because of the new, uh, the, the way they're changing the law through agency policy rather than than going you know doing what they've normally done and i do think that we have seen a lot of times when agency power when the courts actually do strike back agency power it's all because the agency overreached and said we get to do what we want whenever we want all the time forever and eventually eventually it catches up with them maybe maybe it's happening mark Maybe it is. I hope it is. And and I'll tell you one of the things you you educated me on this, John. But the fact that the Lena Khan, the chairman of of the Federal Trade Commission, was proposed to Congress not chairman of the FTC, but as a just a, to fill a commissioner slot, and then she was uh, passed through. Uh, the Senate voted to confirm her, and then the president elevated her to the chairmanship immediately, like the next day or something. Yeah. So it was clearly. 
a, a, a something that was planned in advance and designed in advance to to bump her up uh, to the chairmanship. It's not clear she would have successfully made it through a Senate confirmation hearing if the idea had been uh, from the outset had, had been publicly disclosed that they were going to make her the chairman. Uh, you know, I, I I find that troubling because even to the extent that that folks who support independent agencies do so, it's because they think that Congress exerts some control over these agencies. I'm not sure that's true aside from the budget, which is a, which is a very real control, except when it comes to the CFPB, of course. Uh, but, uh, but in any event, uh, John, thrilled to see Walmart pushing back, thrilled to see Humphrey's executor used this way. And uh, we'll, we'll keep track of this case closely and let people know what happens. Hopefully Walmart wins and the FTC uh, has its wings a little bit here.